Morning, church. It's good to see all of you. Um, before uh, we get started, um, how many of you know Brock Fellows? Most of you do. There's Brock right there in the plaid shirt. That's him. Uh, he's been interning here for a while. Um, he has recognized God's call in his life to be a pastor, and, and so he's studying and working and, and really involved here. And next week, right here on this stage, he's going to preach his very first sermon. <laughs> so y'all be here for that, all right? And encourage him and, and pray for him. No pressure, Brock. No pressure. No pressure at all. But I'm, uh, I am blessed by Brock as a brother and as a friend and, and uh, all the, the work that he does um, without getting paid one red cent. And he just believes that this is God's calling on, on his life. And, and um, you know, that's, that's what we're talking about this morning, actually. Um, and uh, we got a couple more church life sermons before we jump into the, uh, the parables and the gospels. And... Um, the underlying theme has been unity, uh, different aspects of unity. And um, what's critical, I mean, it's critical that we understand that we are a family, that we are a, a team of, of missionaries proclaiming uh, the goodness and the truth of, of Jesus and his grace through word and deed, not just talking about it, but putting our money where our mouth is and living that way. And um, it, it's critical, I think, that each person comes to grips with and embraces their own personal calling, that they recognize that they are contributing part of the family. They are contributing part of, of the, the team here and that we work together and we are united around a common cause, and that Jesus is worthy of it all. So, that might overwhelm you. You might be thinking, I am just totally overwhelmed as it is. I'm going to add something else to my life. Anybody here feel fragmented and stressed out? And Yeah, yeah, everybody does from time to time. Like you're being pulled apart by by competing demands. Maybe you just long for simplicity. You wish that you were bored. Maybe um, you just long for, for focus and direction. Or, or, or maybe some of you are just done being bored. You're done feeling apathetic. You're done feeling empty. You're done feeling like you don't have any purpose of, of li in, in life, and, and, and you're just wondering, okay, what am I supposed to do? Today, we have more options than you can shake a stick at, right? Life's become incredibly complicated, and you know what? That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that we haven't handled it very well, and for most people, the anxieties hit the roof, so either we, we shut down or we just spin out from all of the anxiety. And we've talked before that the word anxiety comes from a word that means to just tear apart. Most people are filled with anxiety because their lives are torn apart by so many good options and, and all the demands that just pull them in different directions. And no wonder people just shut down and give up. 
Now, we won't completely solve the problem of feeling torn apart this morning, but I do want to talk about a key to the solution. I, I want to talk to you this morning about your calling in life. Jesus makes it real simple for us. I mean, everybody might have a, a, a unique calling. We're going to talk about that. But, I mean, I love the way Jesus just kind of breaks it down and says, all right, here it is. Seek first the kingdom of God. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else it just comes into perspective. If you seek first the kingdom of God. Now, as far as your unique calling goes, your calling is God's role for you in his kingdom. And we all have a calling. A calling to your family, a calling in your work, a calling in your community. And if you're a Christian, you have a calling to your community of faith, your church. And in order to deal with your fragmented life, in order to have simplicity and unity of, of purpose, you need to discover and live out your calling. So how do we do that? Well, I think we learned three things from our text this morning. And the first thing that we're going to look at, if, if you're taking notes, is focus on God's calling for you. What role do you play in community? Okay? It's not that we're saying it's just between you and God, but you have a role to play in the family of God, in God's kingdom. What is God's calling for you? Now, God had a unique calling for Peter. Right before what we read, uh, Jesus summarizes Peter's purpose. He says uh, to Peter, feed my sheep. So Peter is to be a pastor. And in verse 18, he adds another element to Peter's calling. Check this out. Verse 18, Jesus adds, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Now, what does that mean? Well, stretching out of the hands is a reference to crucifixion. This is exactly what happened to Jesus. When, when Jesus carried his crossbeam, his outstretched arms and hands were bound to each side of it, and he was led to the place of execution. And when he got there, they nailed him to the cross. So Jesus is saying here, Peter, when you are older, you will die on a cross. And you will glorify God through that. Peter lived 30 years and served for 30 years with that prediction hanging over his head. Can you imagine that? I mean, how in the world could he do that? We'll look at that more in a minute, but for now, it involved in focusing on God's call for his life. God had a unique calling for him. God has a unique calling for you. And, and his calling is not your calling. Your calling is not my calling. I mean, every single one of us, we have unique abilities. Uh, God gives us special abilities and gifts to serve God and to serve others. And everybody has different life situations. And he gives us each specific responsibilities in our family, our work, our community, and church. And on top of that, he gives you certain passions and, and convictions and concerns. Some of you have a passion for justice. Some of you have a, passage, a passion for, for knowledge or for music or serving people in very practical ways. Now, here's the thing. Whether it's in unofficial capacity or 
an official capacity, God has a call on your life. You know what? Here in, in our church family, I mean, we have people, uh, we have volunteers here. Volunteers who have embraced the, the God's call on their life. And people from, from volunteer pastors to Infusion Kids ministry workers to hospitality people to groups, you know, feeding the homeless, teams going down to life care, the retirement community, and ministering to them, uh, to people who are willing to do whatever is needed. I mean, they don't even have to be asked. They see a need and they jump in and they help and, and, they, and they serve. And again, this could be an official capacity or unofficial capacity. There's this uh, one uh, gentleman in the, in the first service has such a powerful ministry, and I don't even know that, that he knows how powerful it is. He just goes around encouraging people all the time. He encourages me. I mean, I mean you, you have no idea. He's constantly going out of his way to encourage me and the other elders and, and the, the people around him. He doesn't have, you know, an official badge that says encouragement ministry on it or anything like that. He just does it. I mean, I, I'm going to start embarrassing some people now. I, I just can't help it because, you know, I'm so, I'm so encouraged. The, the, the Escobedos run a uh, catering company, and, and uh, you know, they help us with our, our uh, family picnics that we have and, and on, on, a, on a regular basis. But in addition to that, you find, they find out some family in need, and they just hook them up with food. They don't need to be asked. They just, they just help out, and, and they serve. I mean, Kathy Chang and Rini, they get here Sunday mornings, and they help, and they serve, and they set things up. I mean, I mean you, you have no idea how much work Kathy and Rini do. And now, now what they're doing is, since Vicky broke her, our office manager broke her foot, Kathy and, and uh, Rini are, are helping her do her work. Vicky does so much work, it takes two people to help her out when she's out. <laughs> I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, uh, Jeremy, like when, when we had our, our Christmas deal, I mean, he spent hours and hours setting up the lights and video and everything. I mean, it was just so encouraging. Telly, a lot of you know Telly. She has a heart for people. She sees the needs. She rallies the troops. She makes sure that they get the food they need, the prayer they need. And, and it's, it's, they're just doing it. They're just loving, loving their family. And you see it, especially in crowded houses. You know, typically 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And they're not doing it for the money. They just want to glorify God by following God's call in their life. So my question for you this morning is, in what way is God leading you? Are, are you following God's call on your life for God's glory? If your answer is no, but I want to, then there is something that every single one of you can do today. And here's what I, wanna, uh, here's what I want you to do. If you don't know, but you want to know, my encouragement is that you talk to Joe. His name is Joe John, all right? And he, he just, he was waving his hand uh, earlier. If you don't know Joe, I have a picture of him. That's Joe right there. <laughs> I, I may have lifted that from Facebook. And if um, he, you don't know, he's such a good brother, we're practically twins. So, <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, this picture might be a little bit better. 
This is Joe and his lovely wife, Nancy, and, and they just love people. They love encouraging people. They love serving people. They love God's word. They love ministering. I mean, they are true pace setters. And if you want to know what your calling is in life, you want to figure that out, talk to them after the service. You grab one of the connection cards that's in front of you and, and, and fill it out and, and turn it in and, and we'll follow up with you. And maybe you said, well, I did that a long time ago, but I never heard back. That's because people gave them to me and I don't know what to do with them. That was before John, <laughs> Joe John showed up, all right? So if you don't know what it is and you want to find out, you want to follow God's call on your life, there is a step you can take. My encouragement for you is to take that step this morning. Do it. I mean, this is key. This is critical. That's a practical step that, that, that you can take. So it might be a slow process, trial and error. But I'm telling you, you don't have to do it alone. This is something that we figure out together. God uses the combinations of your God-given abilities, your, your spiritual gifts, your life situations, your, your passions to, to shape your unique calling in life. Now, I want to tell you what this means, and it's a dose of reality, something that you're going to have to accept if you are going to end the, the anxiety and fragmentation in your life and prioritize what's most important. The dose of reality is, is this. There are things that you're simply not going to be able to do in your life. That's it. We get so anxious because we try to do everything. We don't want to miss out on, it, on, on, on something. There are things that you're just not going to be able to do with your life. Following God's call on your life means that, that you have direction in your life. It gives you, you know what it does? It gives you the confidence to say no to things, right? You don't have to feel fragmented. You get to say no to most things and base it on your calling now. Uh, just side note here. If, I don't know, maybe Kathy is putting coffee in, on the table and she trips down the stairs and coffee goes everywhere, doesn't mean, hey, nope, I can't help you. That's not my calling, right? The general principle is, though, figure out what your calling is and, and focus and structure and plan your, your life around that. And this also means you're free. You're free from others judging you for what you're not doing. Not everybody can be an eye. Not everybody can be a hand. Not everybody can be a foot, right? There are a lot of well-meaning people who are excited and fired up about their own calling, which is good. But sometimes, with good intentions, they kind of project their unique calling on everybody else. There are some common things that we're all called to do as a family. And there's a family chores, I guess, where we can all roll up our sleeves and, and get to it. But God made us different so that, that we can also do different things and get it all done together. As a united family on mission together. It's, it, it requires each person kind of seeking their own calling in life. So my hope for every single one of you here is that you are filled with the freedom to pursue God's call on your life and just throw yourself into it with your whole heart, knowing that Jesus is worth it, his kingdom is worth it, his bride is worth it, his glory is worth it. Focus on God's calling for you. And this connects to our second point. Second point is this. This is critical. Comparing kills your calling. Just kills it. 
If you are comparing yourself to others, you will totally miss your own calling. Jesus' calling for John was different than Peter's. Look at verse Verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved following them and the one who also had leaned back against them during the, the Lord's Supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray, who is it that's going to betray you? Now, why does the author focus on the close relationship this other disciple has with Jesus? Well, Jesus wants us to understand that Peter's calling does not make him any more special than this disciple or any other disciple. That the beloved's disciple calling was to live a long life as a faithful witness and die a, a natural death is no less important than, than Peter's call to be a pastor and a martyr. See, he wants us to understand so, so that we don't play the comparison game and exalt certain callings and, and certain people above others. So that we won't despise our own calling and become jealous of others. Now, here's what I've learned in my life. If, if I envy somebody or if I get jealous of, of somebody and, and, or if I'm asking why not me, why them, I mean, it's real easy to slip into that. And pastors do it all the time. You know what that is? That what I've noticed that to be, how I've recognized that to be, is a red flag that I'm more concerned about my glory than God's glory. I mean, that's it. I'm more concerned about my own glory than God's glory. And that's, a, that's just a loving diagnosis. That's not just to make anybody wallow in guilt or anything like that. I mean, uh, knowing is half the battle, right? So we don't boast in our calling or look down on others. Jesus had a different calling for John. In verse 21, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Jesus is basically saying, hey, Peter, it's none of your business. I mean, that sounds kind of harsh, right? All Peter did was, was ask, what about this guy? But, but Jesus loves Peter. And he knows that there is something... Uh, very wrong with, with Peter's heart that can uh, ultimately really damage his soul and, and, and damage the people around him. It's the only reason Jesus would respond like this. It would distract Peter from following Jesus. Jesus says, don't compare your calling uh, to John's or anyone else's. The only thing that matters, the thing that matters the most is that you follow me. I have other plans for John. So, question, what exactly is it that's wrong with Peter's heart? Well, we can't be exactly sure, but I think it points to a problem that I know that I have with my own heart, a problem I believe that, that Jesus wants to fix for, for my good and his glory. See, when, when the risen Jesus appears to his disciples here, it's early in the morning and the disciples are coming in from fishing. And when they hit the beach, Jesus is there and he makes them breakfast. They all sit around and they eat together and, and here's what we, it's important to remember. Peter, Peter publicly denied Jesus. And now Jesus is publicly reinstating Peter. So while they're all sitting there, Jesus says, Peter, do you really love me more than these other disciples love me? He asked that because he knows that Peter has a problem 
uh, with comparing himself to others. The night that Jesus was arrested, Jesus was telling his disciples about his death, and, and, and Peter says, hey, Jesus, you know what? I'm not going to deny you. I will follow you. I, I will lay my life down for you. He doesn't say, we will follow you. We will lay our life down for you. Jesus knew that Peter was comparing himself to the others and claiming that he loved Jesus more than they did. These other guys might bail on you. These other guys might be flakes. These other guys might be spineless, but I will die for you. And what did Peter end up doing? He goes out and publicly denied that he even knew Jesus. Right? So Jesus lovingly confronts Peter with the sin and, and he goes on to tell Peter that when he's older, he will faithfully follow Jesus in his death. Jesus says to Peter, follow me. And they got up. They start to walk together. Peter turned and saw the other disciple following them. And, and Peter asked, what about him? And Jesus says, Peter, listen, it's none of your business. If you keep looking at others, you will be distracted from following me. You will be distracted from God's call on your life. Comparing will absolutely kill your ability to even see your calling, let alone pursue your calling. And you, it'll just be constant resentment and discontentment. And you'll just completely be clueless about how fulfilling it is to glorify God through God's unique calling on your life in God's kingdom. To the extent that you are following Jesus, you won't compare yourself to others. Uh, comparing yourself to others leads to pride and jealousy and discontentment, and it can only distract you from following Jesus. So what is it that's going on in our heart when, when we're comparing ourselves to others? Now, I don't know about Peter or you, but I do know for me. Uh, you know what? I, sometimes I just want to know how I'm doing, right? I, 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 I think if... if even if it's not conscious, it's there on a subconscious level, and maybe it is on, uh, on a conscious level more than I, than I care to admit even to myself, but, but I think it comes down to the fact that, that sometimes I just want to feed my pride. Or more, more commonly, I think in my life, I just want to calm my insecurities. And you know what? The answer isn't just stop it. Stop comparing yourself to others. That's that's not the whole answer. There's a sin beneath the sin that we need to look for. And the sin beneath the sin in my heart is that I, I am, I'm looking for my significance or I'm looking for my satisfaction, not in Jesus, but in my performance. When I do that, I am not following Jesus. I am not trying to glorify him. I'm consumed with glorifying myself. And my prayer needs to be uh, that, that I would decrease so that he might increase. So how can we live out our calling with freedom and, and with integrity? Focus on what God's call is for you. Don't compare yourself to others. And the third point we've already been hitting on is this. Look to and follow Jesus. This is our ultimate calling. Twice here Jesus says to Peter, follow me. Verse 19, he says, this Jesus said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. 
And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Then, in verse 22, Jesus said to them, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Look, the truth is, is that a lot of people don't know what their calling in life is. Maybe some people don't even care yet. That might become a little bit more important to you as, as you enter a, a adulthood. But so many people lack focus and unity of purpose. And you know what? We all get confused. Just so you know, you're not alone. If you're confused about your calling, I mean, everybody gets confused about their calling. But there is one thing that you can be absolutely clear on. One thing that you can be absolutely sure of. God has called you to follow Jesus. First and foremost... Jesus invites each of us to follow him. This is the most important calling in life. If that is not first, you will never, you'll, you'll never really discover your unique calling until you come to grips with that your most important calling is to follow him. As you know, I've said a million times, I never planned on being a pastor, so I, I didn't get into this gig the way most pastors do. So you know what that means for me on a personal level? Is that there's a, temption, a temptation for me, personally, to just feel unsure about it all. But then I remember the one thing that is absolutely sure, that I am called to follow Jesus. And I've been called to follow him for his glory, not mine. And when I remember that, when I look to and when I follow Jesus, that is when my calling becomes clear. He has called me to proclaim the good news of God's grace and to lead and care for and disciple those that he sends. But my highest calling is to be a follower of Jesus. All to the glory of God. Your unique calling may be different than mine, but we're all called to follow Jesus, amen? So what's that mean? What's it mean to follow Jesus? Well, let me break it down real simply for you. It means to love, trust, worship, and obey Jesus above all others. He is preeminent in your life. It means entering into a relationship and, and mission with Jesus and his family, no matter where he leads you. And there's a very good chance it'll be out of your comfort zone. But nothing will be more fulfilling. Nothing will be. Look at Peter. You know what? The, the Bible doesn't record Peter's death, but church history and, and church tradition does. Eusebius is an ancient... Uh, historian, and he tells us that it was 61 AD under the reign of Nero, Peter was in prison. And one horrible morning, he was brought to the place of execution, and he was forced to watch his wife get crucified. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine, men, your wife being crucified, and you're forced to watch that happen. I mean, what do you think? I mean, what do you say? How do you process that? I mean, I can't even, I can't even imagine. And history records that Peter stood before her and cried out, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. You know, in a situation like that, whatever is central to your life becomes very obvious. And he cries out, remember the Lord. He was taken back to his dungeon, 
stayed there overnight, and, and, and uh, church history says that the jailer embraced Christianity. The next day, Peter stretched out his hands, and the crossbeam was fastened. He was led to a place of death, and at his request, according to tradition, he was crucified upside down because he didn't consider himself worthy to be killed in the same way as his Lord. Okay, my question is, is how does Peter do that? He was, he was a regular guy. Sometimes we look at these apostles and say they're, they are like, they're angels. Or they're not really human. He was a regular guy. Like you and me. How, how does this happen? I mean, this is the same guy that denied Jesus when Jesus got arrested. Now he's, he's willing to die an agonizing death to follow Jesus? I mean, where does that kind of, you know, intense devotion to Jesus come from? Now, now listen. My message can't be just, this is what the Bible says, so try harder. It can't, it can't, that'll just frustrate you. This is the most important part of the message. If you leave here without knowing the answer to that question, then you'll be even more frustrated than you already are in your calling. The only way to follow Jesus, the only way you can have that intense devotion to follow Jesus and to stop comparing yourself to others and, and to focus on God's calling for your life is to understand the answer to the question, what is it that changed Peter? And what was it? Well, Peter finally came to the point of understanding the purpose of Jesus' death. He didn't at first. When Jesus told the disciples he was going to die, Peter rebukes Jesus and says, Lord, this will never happen to you. You know what? Peter didn't expect, and he did not want a crucified Messiah. He didn't want a crucified king. So when Jesus was arrested... Peter denies him. Then when Jesus was crucified, Peter's natural response was to be totally crushed and devastated, filled with despair. He saw no purpose in Jesus' suffering and death. But after the resurrection, Jesus explains from the Old Testament why the Messiah must die. Peter finally gets it and is radically transformed. And he writes in 1 Peter that Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Peter was changed from a man that was filled with pride and insecurity to a man filled with humility and confidence. And it happened by realizing that Jesus died on the cross for his sin. My question for you this morning is, is what about you? I mean, do you believe that Jesus bore your sin on the tree? I mean, not just like an intellectual, yeah, I, I grew up believing that, so I, yeah, I, I kind of believe that. I mean, do you believe it so it changes your priorities, it changes your heart, it changes the way that, that you live? To the extent that you do, I mean, everything, everything changes. Your priorities, your, your values, um, everything. If you know and cherish this truth, you will follow Jesus, you just will. 
When that becomes real to you, uh, you don't have to go, oh, gosh, I have to follow Jesus. All right. I mean, you get fired up because this has become real to you. You will follow him out of, out of grateful love. You know, there are countless people who claim to be Christians. You know what? Follow Jesus out of selfishness and get pats on the back for it. Because here's the thing. People say, if I follow Jesus, then God will bless me and I'll have, he'll accept me and I'll remain in good standing, you know, with, with, with him. And he has to obey me. Or he, I, he has to bless me if I obey him. Because I did this, this, that, and the other thing. And then when tragedy hits, deep suffering hits, you get angry at God. Because you owe me. Right? Some follow out of fear. You know what? If I don't obey God, then God's going to make me pay. I'll have to I'll pay for my disobedience. And, and we spend our life, you know, banging out of fear that God's, the, the whole life, out of fear that you're trying to dodge, like, the lightning bolts or, or something. That can be selfish, too. But the Christian follows Jesus out of grateful love. A love that does, in fact, a, a sense of loyalty, a sense of obligation, a sense of responsibility, but it is rooted in love. Jesus bore our sin on the tree, and our sin is fully forgiven. And so what that means is now there's nothing to fear. Like Peter, fear's gone. And now we, we realize that all of God's blessings are ours through Christ. There, there's nothing to earn. We follow him out of grateful love. And secondly, we'll stop comparing ourselves to others. When we believe that Jesus bore our sin on the tree, our pride is replaced with humility because we know I was so lost that Jesus had to die for me. And our insecurity gets replaced with confidence. I am so loved by God that Jesus was glad to die for me. And then, and then you don't have to tell yourself, oh, I better not, I better not uh, compare myself to, to anybody because that's the wrong thing to do. Pastor Matt said, don't, don't do that. Okay, man, that's, a, that's not the whole ballgame, though. If you see that Jesus died on the cross for your sin because he loved you, then comparing yourself to anybody else just becomes ridiculous. <laughs> it's just, it's like it becomes ridiculous. And you just won't do it because it becomes irrelevant. And you will seek God's calling on your life with total freedom. And then last, finally, you'll experience unity of purpose and simplicity of life. Why do we feel fragmented? Why do we feel torn apart, uh, lacking in clarity, lacking a, a clarity of our purpose? Purpose is because so many good options compete for the center of our lives. Family, work, friends, church, ministry, romance, hobby, sports, whatever. We don't want to miss out on, on, on everything. So we run around trying to be part of all of it, and then it just sucks life out of us. We're torn into different directions. But to the extent that you believe that Jesus bore your sin on the tree, then you realize that only Jesus is worthy to be the center of your life. You realize that, you realize that if you have everything but Jesus, you have nothing. But if you have nothing but Jesus, you have everything. So follow him. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your patience with us. 
We thank you for calling us, adopting us into your family. That ultimately it's not a matter of us accepting you, but that you accepted us because of Jesus. And you've placed by your spirit a, a love and appreciation for you and who you are. And, and we, we respond to your generosity by being generous. We respond to your sacrifice by sacrificing. We respond to your purpose by living out your purpose in our lives. God, for, for all of us that, that feel fragmented, God, I pray that you would enable us um, to see that ultimately uh, our life calling is to follow you. May that be first and foremost. And that because of that, we would seek first your kingdom. And that sets the priorities for everything else. God, I pray, Lord, that once we see that you lived and died for us, God, I pray that our, our response to you would be that we are willing to live and die for you. You're in your glory. God, I pray, Lord, that you would enable us to give up our lives for, yours, for your glory, for your kingdom. That you'd enable us to die to self. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would enable us to do this in community. That we would spur one another on in this. And not just do it in an isolated fashion, thinking that, Hey, I mean, I'll love you, I'll serve you. I don't know about everybody else, but I'll do it. God, forgive us for comparing ourselves to others because we live for our own glory. God, I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here that has not even taken the first step to, to follow you and trust you as their king, I pray this morning you would give them the faith, that you would give them the courage, that you would give them the ability to follow you because you've opened their eyes to see your love for them. Illustrated in the cross and the resurrection. God, I, I pray that we would follow you not out of legalism, but out of freedom and deliverance and appreciation. And live lives that worship you. We pray this in your name.